My calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious sh Sweep Delay Podcast is back and better than ever. This is the Back to the Future Retrospective Series. This is the first of many retrospective series that will be coming your way. Please be warned that this is a spoiler-filled podcast, so if for some reason you have not seen Back to the Future, please stop and watch the film and then come back and listen to what we had to say. Now, let's go ahead and get into our show of the week. First episode is Back to the Future Part 1. Welcome to Sweep the Lake Podcast. I am your host with the most, Mike Macmasunis, and we are back, and we are better than ever. That's because I have a new co-host, and who would that co-host be? No clue. Move on. No clue? Oh man. What's up, Tim? Or should I say Super Tim? How's it going, Whatever, man? whatever works for you. I, I go by all names. Well, technically, just so you guys know, I call him Chief, but you know, you guys can call him whatever you want. So, how's it That's going, right. man? It's going good. It's going good. Happy to be here. Happy to talk about movies, music, and all those cool things. Yes, yes. Now, um, pulling back the curtain, as Jason would say, there's a lot of uh, history been going on the past couple weeks. Um, uh-huh. Basically, um, I got a lot of feedback. You know, the show was going good, but, you know, there was something kind of missing. You should get a co-host. I'm like, ah, I can't do a co-host. I'm not sure about that, but... And me and you have been talking for a long time on Facebook, and uh, yep. you know, and we originally I was you know we're thinking about podcast ideas. You're like, well, maybe you should do an angel podcast. I was like, yeah, that sounds good, but at the same time, I'm like, you know, I can only that can only last for so long. And then uh, they, and, and and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I, I kind of like podcasts that have a set length. Right. Exactly. So, um, but. Let's kind of get into some things. What? Uh, why are you back? Why am I back? Because I did announce on Crossroads that I was retiring from podcasting, and but nevertheless, I made I think three appearances, no, four appearances on Crossroads since then, four or five since then, and I just been looking for the right podcast to kind of you know put my sea legs in. I was thinking of revamping my old Smallville podcast, um, Smallville Superfan. It's a 2.0 for their their final season because right. they're ending this year. And I, al- and, I al- and I also thought of a um, Fringe podcast. And I was also on the, uh, the projection booth. Even while I was in retirement, I was still doing the projection booth with Ty on Crossroads. So I was just trying to find the, the the right podcast, and then you and I started talking, and um, you know, pulling back the curtain some more about, hey, I want to do Back to the Future, yes. because spoiler alert, that's what we're talking about today. Yes, yes. Um, I want to do Back to the Future because I love Back to the Future. I love all three of those movies. I can basically sit down and just watch them over and over and over again, and never get tired of them. So. Uh, I said, like, 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 talk, like, let's do Back to the Future, and like, okay, okay, and then, then you said, well, maybe we should do Karate Kid too, and I'm like, well, if I'm gonna be on for like almost six or seven, um, maybe ten consecutive episodes, we should just make this thing official. So I decided to join full time, and I've been bouncing ideas off of you. Uh, I've got, I think. I don't think I, I've got some big plans for this podcast because that makes me sound egotistical. Right. Um, <laughs> But 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 I do I do have some ideas which I I've run by you so we're, this is gonna be fun 
It's yes, gonna be... yes. It is going to be super fun because uh, me and me and Tim have been basically about two weeks now. We have been recording back and forth. We're having a lot of audio issues, testing things out. So we're going to try to recreate a lot of the conversations that we've been having. But uh, I basically said, dude, why don't you just be my, my official co-host? And he's like, heck yeah. And at first I didn't think you were going to say yes, but you did. So it's super cool. Mm-hmm. I am super happy to have you on here. We're going to have tons of fun. And again, this is like the same format as before. It's a movie and music show, uh, but we're going to be doing a lot of cool super things. One of the biggest things me and you have talked about doing is the uh, superhero extravaganza, however that word is, extravaganza. The superhero, the superhero extravaganza spotlight. Yes. We are basically going to run through every single superhero movie um, there is. You know, pretty much we're going to uh, first. Well, we don't know when we're going to do this, but exactly. we are going to do this. And it's going first. We're going to, you know, start with, you know, the biggest superhero of all time, Superman. We're going to go through all of those movies, talk about how they relate to the upcoming uh, Man of Steel movie that's coming out next year. Yes. And and after that, we'll probably take a break, do some standalone ones. And because we're really covering these huge franchises, we'll be doing Superman first, like I said. And then we'll be doing Batman, you know, talking about how that franchise relates to the current Christopher Nolan franchise that's 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 going on and going strong. And then we'll do the Spider-Man trilogy and how how we feel about the reboot of that movie and the X-Men franchise and and then we'll probably head into the uh, the Marvel Avengers saga franchise, starting with Iron Man, Iron Man Two, Incredible Hulk, and um, they'll probably be on DVD by the time we get to those. Thor and uh, Captain America. Right, and uh, just to be clear, I am a DC man. You are a Marvel man. So in my opinion, well, 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 well let me let me, go, let me go cover uh, that. Um, I'm I'm both. Right, I, right, right. I like Marvel, but I'm more of a Superman guy. As when we uh when we get into um news and uh those superman episodes right. you will see a lot more of and i'm I, I love marvel but i also i love dc because you know a wise man once said that uh marvel creates heroes but dc creates legends exactly and i am a batman man you're a superman man so you know okay. and i i love both but i love yes. batman over superman you love superman over batman so it's good right. times um, but and I guess I, what I meant to say is that you know more about the Marvel universe than I do because I was strictly growing up on the D. I hated all Marvel characters, as a lot of people know that I got into the Marvel characters as the movies came out because my wife would make me watch them. But you know a lot of history on the Marvel guys that I don't, so it'll be good times. But right. uh, you know that's what I meant by you're the Marvel guy, I'm the DC guy. I know gotcha. I know tons of DC stuff, but not a whole lot about the Marvel thing. So good times, good times. Now, um, what I was gonna say is uh, being human. Uh, we're gonna be talking some TV shows, and being human is our new favorite TV show. Is that correct, sir? That's uh, that's correct. I'm still a little behind, but I'm but I'm but I'm gonna see see what see what I think. I'm good because I watched the first three episodes of Being Human because they were on Hulu. Right. And everything, and I was like, "Oh, this is great! This is great!" So then, so then I got because I was, and and then I kind of lost track with it, and you know, because only the first three episodes were on Hulu and nothing else. So then I got the season pass and I watched four through nine, and I think when the season is over, I'm gonna catch up again because I really liked doing that. Just you know, you know, just <laughs> just knocking them off, knocking them off like dominoes, right? Because because that's kind of fun to watch. Just just watch an, an entire run of episodes and and never never stop. And you know, it's fun. So I think that um that we'll probably do a being human episode. 
Yes. Um, at covering season one and what we think of season one and how it's been. Yes, good times. And then, um, you know, we're going to be doing uh, pretty soon a couple weeks, we're going to be doing an all-music spotlight. Uh, we're not going to say who just yet, but it's going to be yes. good times. We're going to be picking certain people and just spending a whole episode playing their music, talking about them. And we're mostly going to pick people that uh, either we both like, obviously, but there's a specific reason why we like them, why we think they're impactful, and uh, why, yeah. if you don't dig the person, why you should. And we'll give some legitimate reasons behind. Uh, our yes. thoughts there so it'll be good I'm, I'm, I'm very excited for this segment I'm, yes I'm not gonna lie <laughs> yes exactly exactly now why don't we go ahead and get into our movie and music news of the week all right let's do it All right, getting into the first of the news. Now, uh, Superman obviously is the huge, huge topic that's going yes. that's going all around. But, sir, uh, Lindsay Lohan, I told you last night, is in talks to being in the new Superman movie. What is your thoughts on this, sir? <laughs> I, um, wow. Yes. <laughs> that, that's all I have to say about that is, is wow. Um, I, I just, I don't know how I feel about that. I, I don't like it. Um, right. I don't like it. I don't think she should be anywhere near this movie. I mean, I, what is she going to be? Um, the only thing I could think she could be, but I don't want her to be because I would rather an actress in this role would be like Lex Luthor's butler slash bodyguard Mercy Graves. Right. And I from heard, the animated series. Right. Um, that's going to make sense. Yeah, I, I've heard it's uh, villain-based, but I don't get why Christopher Nolan, since I, I don't know if he's still on top of this project, but... Why would they even consider Lindsay Lohan, period? Well, they were considering Kristen Stewart for Lois Lane. Good point. Good so, don't know what to think there. But, but you know, I I mean, whatever. I mean, you know, Nolan and Snyder are behind it. And I can't say I overly trust Snyder because the only movie I've ever seen him do is Watchmen. So Yes. And, uh, you know, Mr. 30-Foot King Dingling wasn't too uh, too nice to watch on screen. And I didn't dig that movie uh, one bit. I, I hated it, to be honest with you. I shut that off about an hour into it. I um, I don't know. I just didn't dig it. Um, I know about 300. Um, I saw, like, part of it, and it looked cool. But Yeah, I mean, I, I, I saw Watchmen, and I liked it for what it was. I mean, it was a nice comic adaptation of a... Of a very revered graphic novel, but I think I think there were too many cro- cockroaches in the ice cream, if you know what I'm saying. Exactly. Um, Amy Adams, you know, I, I did dig her in uh, Enchanted. I've seen her in a few things. So, yeah. uh, you know, I, I'm kind of excited she's in it because, you know, Christopher Nolan, uh, you know, overseeing likes to pick weird people that you... And, and, and what Masunas is talking about, everybody, is Amy Adams has been cast in the oh-so-iconic role of Lois Lane. Yes. So... And- yeah, and I, what do you think about this casting? Uh, I'm, you know what, I'm actually cool with it because uh, I have tons and tons of faith in Christopher Nolan and every person that's ever been cast in his films have uh, dominated their part. Um, I think it should be good. I know that there's some talk of like yes or no, but I think it's cool. Um, you know, as much as I love Brandon Ralph, I think it's 
you know, it's perfectly fine because, uh, unfortunately, if you put them back in the role, they're going to think it's a sequel to Superman Returns, so they're trying to start fresh. Yes, yes. Uh, and I, I'm cool with it as well. At first, I was like, what? That, okay. Yes. I mean, like, like my knee-jerk reaction was like, oh, okay. But um, Amy, as I got to think about it, Amy Adams is a very, very talented actress, Oscar-nominated even. Yes. And I think I think she could pull this off. I think she could pull this off. But it's been pretty much a wait-and-see thing since we haven't seen any trailers or anything. Um, I don't know if you covered this on an earlier podcast, but what do you think of the casting of Henry Cavill as Superman? Uh, I'm on the same mind as Jason is in regards to not wanting to check out any of his prior stuff, so I can see, like, kind of like Brandon Routh, well, I had never well, seen Well, that's because his prior stuff is porn. Are you serious? <laughs> the, the, the Tudors is a, is a, that he was on, the TV show he was on, um, was a, was, is one of those HBO Showtime series, you know, they show too much than they should. Wow. Oh. Yeah, so, he's, wow. uh... He's, he's exposed himself to the world, if you know what I mean. Um, I, I did I did watch an interview, though, where he said he's going to try to... Um, he's not going to change Superman too much. He's going to follow Christopher Reeve and Brandon Routh's uh, interpretation pretty good, pretty closely. So, yeah. you know, um, I mean, I guess he looks okay. i got to see him in the suit to, to you know, kind of see a trailer at least. Uh, get. A good... And I have seen fan photos that fans have made... Uh, putting Henry Cavill in the suit, and it looks pretty good. It looks pretty good. It looks spot on. Awesome. And awesome. and and, I, and I, th- I think it'll be good. I think it'll be good. He's really given giving this role the amount of respect that I think it deserves. And this is my fanboy uh, interior talking here. Yes. Because uh, he's he's he said he's read comic books and and is really researching the role. And I think he's going to do it justice because he really seems like he wants to do a really really good job. And Zack Snyder, re- uh, like every interview that I've read about with him about this movie it really feels like he's going to give this movie his all and he really wants to make it like make it his own and wants to do it justice to all the superman films that have come before and make and make it stand against those films right well let's hope it's better than sucker punch because my understanding is it's not a very good film and i don't think i've read one good review on it it looks cool but i i don't know it's got horrible ratings and people i've talked I want to, to see it, like it but i want to see it because um it's um the only schneider film that's not based on a prior work right because you know we've had um we've had 300 and watchmen which are basically two graphic novel movies the dawn of the dead remake um and um and legend of the guardians which was based on a book and sucker punch was pretty much his only original thing so i want to see like what his directing style is and stuff because so, right, right. Watchmen wasn't it wasn't a fair thing to do because you know it's it's based on a graphic novel people have heavy expectations of that so so are you excited for the anthology Blu-ray Superman edition? Oh, you know it! I'm so gonna buy that. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, I have Superman the movie and Superman two and Superman Returns on Blu-ray, and I've got the anthology collection that uh, came out. Um, that came out around the time Superman Returns came out on DVD. I do have that, so I will be trading those in probably to get this because I really want all these on Blu-ray and I want to see the the opening sequence for those who are unfamiliar with Superman Returns history. Uh, we'll cover this in our podcast, but I'll, uh, about Superman Returns, but I'll cover it now. Is there's an, an opening sequence where Superman returns to Krypton or what's left of it. And and about how he escaped and that it was a trap and blah blah blah, and um, and that sequence is going to be on this set and I I really really want to see that. 
Yes, I am pumped. And I'll tell you, it gets me thinking of a deleted scene you actually posted on your own Facebook page on the uh, Return of the Jedi Blu-ray deleted scene where Luke Skywalker is putting together, the yes. great, in my opinion, the greatest lightsaber of all time, the Green Master lightsaber. And That's Luke cool. Skywalker had has the best. And it was so cool to watch that deleted scene where he's in the black robe and he's building it. Oh man, I thought that yeah. was excellent. I thought that was really, really cool. It was really, really awesome. Uh, and, and I'm probably going to be uh, trading in my, my, my Star Wars DVDs for that huge set too. Yes, I, I am excited. And uh, Bill and Ted number three is coming our way soon as, uh, as we were talking about earlier. Is that correct, sir? Uh, yeah, Bill and Ted number three. Uh, Keanu Reeves says the script is almost done. And that it basically is going to basically almost take take right where Bill and Ted's bogus journey left off, and it's going to be about Bill and Ted's a uh, song that changes the world. Yeah, twenty years later, and I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, mean, <laughs> I mean, they didn't say when it would change the world; just that it would change the world. Right. Um, and then I just read today, Hangover Two is too hot for trailers. They have pulled that trailer from the MPAA thought it was too uh, too racy, so to speak, because a monkey was simulating a sex scene, I guess. So they pulled that trailer from um, the movie theater. And uh, yeah, good times. Gotcha, gotcha. I'd never seen the, the first Hangover movie and have no desire to see this one. Move yeah. on. <laughs> <laughs> I unfortunately checked it out because I heard it was this great comedy. Here's my issue with comedies nowadays. Comedies are about gross-out humor. We don't get the classic 80s and 90s type style of comedy. Everything's all about gross-out humor, you know, boobs and everything else. It's just I, getting drunk and everything. Yeah, I have issue with that as well. Um, yeah. You just don't have humor like Ghostbusters humor anymore. Exactly. You know, I, I love the laugh, you know, and exactly. The one the one-liners and, and Ghostbusters and, and a whole lot of other movies back in the 80s and 90s. I mean, that's why I love to cover 80s and 90s movies because, in my opinion, I mean, those are where some of the greatest movies came out of because, I mean. It, I know. What's up with that? Like I, like I was thinking, I was looking at my DVD collection. I mostly have 80s and 90s movies: The Princess Bride, Star Wars, Star Trek, uh, Superman, Batman, Ghostbusters, Back to the Future, Karate Kid. I mean, I've got all these 80s and 90s movies, and I'm like, what is with that decade that produced such movies? And I don't, I don't know. They, they just, I think the movie industry really. This is just my opinion, and you know. They can, everyone can come after me for saying this, but I just think that that movies really hit a stride because a lot of a lot of movies that came out came out at that time have still you know still strike a chord with people. Like you talk Ghostbusters, like I love Ghostbusters, and people will watch it. Yes, and you just watched part two last night. Is this correct? I did. I did watch part two yesterday, and I really really enjoyed it. And yes. it was it was a nice fun movie. I mean, yes. and you didn't have. To, I mean, you didn't have to know. I mean, you did have to know what happened in the first one because you you love these characters. But it was written in such a way that you could pick, you can watch this without having to watch the first one. Yes, I actually enjoy Ghostbusters two very much. I mean, obviously, uh, it's it's not as great as number one, but I think it's an excellent sequel. It continues the story. Most of the characters, um, you know, uh, I wish. They didn't spend so long being so far apart, but it had to tell the story. And uh, and I'm and, and as far as Ghostbusters three goes, I know that they're waiting on Bill Murray to, to read the script. But if you play Ghostbusters the video game, it technically is part three because it takes place ex- 
exactly after part two, and all everybody plays each person. The only person not in the game is Rick Romanis, but I mean, even uh, you know the the the, uh, the guy from number one who tries to shut him down. What's his name? Oh, uh, what's his name? I know who you're talking about. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, that guy. I, yeah, yeah, that guy. Uh, I don't remember his name. Um, yeah. I, I remember in the cartoon he tried to kidnap Slimer for because of, out of his revenge for the Ghostbusters. Lovely, but yeah. Anyways, he's in the game too, and it's a short game, but it's got a really good story. It's got you know Zool, and it's got um, it's got uh, Mister. Yeah, exactly. In in the game, so I I really enjoyed the game, and it was a really cool sequel. So it was good times. Good times. Yeah, well, I've I've seen interviews with Bill Murray, and he said that um, that after doing the video game, he really wants to do a third movie. Awesome. So, sir, should we get into our Back to the Future retrospective series? Let's just get on with this madness. Awesome. So, um, obviously, we are going to do part one, and we're going to do part two next week, and then the following because you can't do the whole trilogy in one episode. You got to definitely right. You definitely got to take apart. I mean, I, I don't think there's anybody who has not, at least if they haven't seen number one, haven't seen this whole trilogy. I mean, they just had on the Scream Awards, they had a whole Back to the Future anniversary, and Michael J. Fox and Christopher Laurie came on stage and. And they couldn't even believe how this movie has reinvented itself over the years and generation is just – a new generation is watching it for the first time. And it's yeah. it's amazing how how far this movie has gone. So um, I think we'll definitely – we're kind of like my old podcast. I used to take a movie apart. Well, now that we have you, know, you on here, it's not going to be so bad, two people talking about it from beginning to end. And uh, and there's so much to cover in this movie. You really can't just do a plot summary, talk about the good parts, and call it a day. I mean, you really gotta, especially this movie is as complex as it is, but so fast. You really gotta kind of pick apart, you know, beginning every movie. little thing because there's just so many nuggets that they toss in the the first 20 minutes of the movie that um that you know that pay off later. Like when they did a, a pre-screening for this movie. Um, the audience had no idea what it was about. Audience just, you know, okay, we're going to see this movie come back to the future. And they had no idea what's going on because, you know, they're watching everything. And then by the time they put, they did the time travel experiment and and Einstein had disappeared, they, there was just like quiet silence over the theater because they thought they had killed the dog. Gotcha. And, and like, what's going on? And then when they came back, you heard this like, oh, okay, he's... He he's all right, and um, and but then by the time he went back to the fifties, they're like, okay, we know where this movie's kind of going now. Exactly, and and because you really just you, when you first see this movie and you know nothing about it, which you know if you live nowadays and you don't know anything about it, something's wrong because exactly. everybody loves this movie, everybody's seen this movie. I mean, I probably saw this when I was maybe ten or twelve. I saw the the second and the third one when I was like ten or twelve, and I had no idea what was going on. I was like, "Cool car," and <laughs> but um, I, I think I think this this trilogy it just re- always stands out, and I think the reason why it stands out so much because you know it's basically a a principle and a theme that everyone can relate to is seeing is you know what were your parents like as kids exactly. That's really basically the main theme of this movie is, you know, seeing what your family was like eight years ago. 
Yes, and I know the original intention was to use a refrigerator, but then they were afraid kids were going to lock themselves in refrigerators, so then they changed it to a car. Um, but then they did it in Indiana Jones 4, so we're good. <laughs> right. Now, I, as far as I know, this is a screenplay 101. I mean, this is one movie where everything pays off. There, It seems like little tiny parts, but, I mean, you can watch this movie over and over and over and learn something new. Um, oh, yeah. And my understanding is that this is like a college piece where they take the screenplay. It's like screenplay 101, and it's like one of the best screenplays ever written. That if you're going to you know, write a screenplay – a screenplay you need to follow the you know the format of this movie right uh, because it's so tight i mean the movie is super fast paced um mm-hmm. you know just in the beginning you know it starts you, off you you have to pay attention to every little detail because even in the like I, I know you were about to go to this but um even in the opening sequence of of the film there's there's little in, info about the history of, of this of this world that zemeckis and gale had created um, the director Robert Zemeckis and and producer writer Bob Gale had created you know where that where you know there's a little newspaper article about how doc how the Brown Mansion had kind of burned down exactly um, due, due to some incident or whatever and that the a plutonium was missing and that Libyans were to blame and blah 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 and then Marty comes in pushes his skateboard and you know there's the plutonium. You see the, all these little clocks that are ticking, talking at the exact same time, and then one of these clocks has got a man hanging from from one of the arms of the clock. Exactly, that's and, exactly where I was going. Exactly. Yeah, like a nice little foreshadowing. It took me it took me like two or three watches to catch that. So that's how genius this movie is. Is that it can it can have these foreshadowing bits, and you don't even know that they're foreshadowing. I mean, another great moment is a little later in the movie is when Marty sees this this truck, this Ford four by Toyota four by four, that he's like, "I want that truck." And then when he comes back after this whole adventure that he has in the fifties, he's got that truck. Exactly. And that was kind of a cool thing. Yeah, and uh, Harry Lloyd or Harold Lloyd. Is he was like some silent comedian? Um, that's actually his clock. He's the one hanging off of that, um, which huh. which is kind of cool because you know we got Christopher Lloyd and Her- you know Harold Lloyd, so that's cool. kind, kind of a real cool um, you know little little note there. Now, one thing is most people don't know this, um, or if they do, um, it's kind of uh, behind the scenes. But Eric Stoltz was the original Marty McFly. Now, Michael J. Fox was always intended to play this character. Oh yeah, they always wanted they. Always always wanted michael j fox yeah. but but because he had a tv commitment with, with family ties he he couldn't do it because because when you have a tv commitment that basically uh trumps everything which is why it's so hard for you know jensen ackles and jared padalecki to do anything outside of supernatural because you know they have this tv commitment that's first and foremost and it's in vancouver where most of the things that they want to do are sh- shooting in california and it's just hard to get out of that and um I mean, what a lot of people don't know is, I mean, m- m- most people who've watched the special features on the DVDs do know that Eric Stoltz was um, not first chosen, but he was he got the role. Exactly. And as gifted an actor as Eric Stoltz is, now I'm, the only thing I've seen him in is Caprica on, on Sci-Fi Channel, but um, he's a good actor. But he's a very serious actor. Yeah, I've uh, I've seen him in uh, some kind of wonderful. It's a chick flick, but Leah Thompson mm-hmm. is in it. Very it's good John movie. Hughes, isn't it? Yes, it's John Hughes film. I actually thoroughly enjoy that film. It's very very good. And uh, Casey Jones from Ninja Turtles is the, one of the bad guys in the film yeah. who who becomes his friend later. Excellent film. Um, but uh, 
he was also in Mask, where uh, he plays a, a deformed-looking person. It was a true story with Cher. Very good dramatic film. I don't like drama too much, but that is one of my all-time favorite drama films. And Eric Stoltz, yeah, he's very good, but he was very stale in a lot of these roles. Because in the, the Blu-ray set, which I know you have, and I only have the DVD set, yes. I believe they do actually show his footage on some scenes. And one of them was, uh, we'll get to later, but when he first sees his dad, just the way his face is, it does doesn't come nearly as close yeah, as it, it, as it doesn't. It doesn't, and you see all the all the footage with him and Lorraine, and even when he's waking up in Lorraine's bed, it just it just looks off. Like he, he's just like like he like you know when Marty Mc when Michael J. Fox wakes up in M- M- Lorraine's bed, he's utterly terrified, and you you can see it. it. Um, like when Eric Stoltz does it, he's like, "What the frack is going on here?" Exactly. It, 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 it's like he like. It was like Bob Newhart at the end of the end of the Bob Newhart show, <laughs> and um, and I, I the problem with Eric Stoltz, according to Robert Zemeckis, I've, I've never met Eric Stoltz, so I don't know. Um, <laughs> that you know what the problem was, and Spielberg also said this is that he was talented and he was doing fine, but he just wasn't getting the comedy bits because so much of the movie of Michael J. Fox's role in this movie is basically he's reacting to everything. He's right. reacting to all this crap that's having happening around him because Back to the Future is George's story. It's the story of how George McFly kind of conquers everything. Yeah, and 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 Marty's just kind of you know kind of the facilitator and the reactor for everything that's uh, that's going on in this movie. And I don't and you know a lot of his reactions is supposed to be comedy. You know how he you know is like I want a Pepsi. He's like you want a Pepsi pal. You're gonna pay for it. He's like what? And I'm going too fast. And um, yeah, but, we don't we don't want to go that far yet, but uh, but yeah, but Eric Stoltz just didn't get the comedy bits right that that they were kind of you know wanting for this movie, so that's why it ended up not working. And then you know they, they go said, please Michael J. Fox, can you do this? And they got him to do it, and you know basically Michael J. Fox, you know he'd record Family Ties all day long, and then they he'd get in a truck, and in the back in the in the back of the truck there'd be a bed where he'd sleep. Where, where they drove him to the Back to the Future set, and at night he'd do Back to the Future, and you know then he'd go back to sleep in this truck again, and then go back to Family Ties, and this was you know going on for a few months, uh, while while Family Ties was shooting, he was doing he was doing Back to the Future. He was so disoriented when he was doing this that you know like one one time during during shooting Family Ties, he would be like, okay, where's my uh, video camera? I need my video camera. And then he'd, he'd snap out of it like, oh, wait, Marty McFly uses a video camera, not Alex P. Keaton. Right, exactly. So <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, everybody knows Karate Kid's my all-time favorite movie, but this is pretty much uh, – I know Princess Bride is yours, but this is kind of like your second. So you know all the ins and outs of this movie pretty much. I love this movie. I love this movie. I've seen this movie so many times. I could quote this movie backwards. Now, I'll tell you one thing that I had that my mom made me throw away. Uh, my sister worked at a video store. And uh, I got a Back to the Future display. It was six feet tall. And That's it, awesome. It was the actual um, front cover of you know how he comes out of the car with the glasses up. Yeah, I had That's that in cool. my room. It was like a 3D six-foot display, but it was too big for my room, and my mom made me throw it away. So imagine how much that would be worth if I had that sucker today. Uh, I, I bet you want to go back in time and say, "Hey, mom, if you guys ever have kids and one of them acts and and you know, you tell them to throw away a Back to the Future display, don't do it. 
Right, exactly. <laughs> so, so going back to you know in the beginning of the movie where we see the clocks and we kind of get the introduction, you know, of, of basically Doc is supposed to represent a guy that uh, he doesn't, uh, his inventions don't work. I mean, you got the little dog thing, and you know, it just the, you got the coffee pot going. No, he's just a mad scientist. He's exactly. just a mad scientist. He's just in like like the local crackpot inventor, you know, in all those classic movies. You're like, oh, that crazy scientist. Uh, you know, he's 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 just that guy. He 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 had a huge mansion. Was kind of once respected in you know in his, in the community, but because you know in when he's in the fifties, um, when Marty looks up his phone number, it says a Dr. Emmett Brown scientist. So obviously he had some degree of respect. He had a huge huge mansion. So I mean, but obviously since you know the mansion burned down, selling all of his family fortune to try and do this experiment that he's been you know kind of plotting his life out for 30 years he's kind of lost a lot of respect yeah. in the community because uh even strickland says like 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 you're hanging around with dr emmett brown jeez, oh, you know right. in the movie so. and i mean the only i have two things that i don't like in this movie which okay. i'm gonna get in my first one i'll get in the second when we get to that part the first thing is that unlike every other movie that is my favorite, you get character development. And what I mean by that is you know why these two are together. They never once in this whole series tell you how those two became friends. But you kind of get a, a rough idea because uh, Marty is a, music, you know, he's a musician and Doc has his big speaker. So the only thing I can think of is they became friends because he's like, wow, this Doc has a really cool sound system. And that's kind of how I think their friendship started. They never get into it. You just kind of have to there assume. is actually um a draft of the script that actually that there's a line that uh, that is revealed why he became friends because jennifer asked him like why do you hang out with this guy he's like well you know i saw that you know doc had a really good um you know sound collection you know basically a, a, a good record collection and i started listening to his records and i just been helping him out ever since you gotcha. know it's there's a there was a line in the script that just got cut and okay. they did explain it and you know, as we get to later in the movie, you can kind of kind of put two and two together that Marty needed to find Doc and that they needed to be friends so so he could create the time machine and use it and you know, he would continue this experiment and would change his life. Right. So. I, I mean, overall, I think the two best future movie, like time travel movies, is this movie and Frequency. Those are my two all-time favorite time travel movies. Totally agree with you, sir. Those are those are fantastic time travel movies. I lo- I love both Frequency and uh, and um, and Back to the Future. I think they're they're both in the same vein and as far as time travel goes. And it's almost a different kind of time travel because exactly. the guy in the future never goes back. Right. Just- and it, but it's very tight though. It's very oh, fast yeah. paced, but it's very yeah. tight. And you can go back and watch it, and, and you'll notice stuff that you never did before. But everything is super, super tight. That's the one thing about this, you know, about Back to the Future that started. And a lot of time travel movies after it fell either in this plot point or in this plot point. Um, I mean, there's the, my other dislike, which, like I said, I'll get into later. It's just more of a nitpick than anything. It's not really a problem. Um, okay. But. One big thing about time travel is is product placement, I guess you could say, which is what this movie has. It's one way of representing time travel. If you notice, there's Doritos, right. Pepsi. Now, did you notice that the Miller uh, was Millery instead of Miller instead of Miller highlight? It was Miller. I, I, I didn't. I didn't notice yeah, that. I if didn't. you when the, when he goes back to the 50s, there's a Y at the end. It's the same exact writing of Miller, but there's a Y at the end, which, huh, which I know I noticed the last time I watched it, and then it was I like. See. 
later changed. But um, so kind of in the story, you know, we get the whole, you know, it's it, it got the whole clocks thing, you know, and, and Marty's getting his guitar ready to go. And we get a real cool, funny scene where he blows up from being too loud, real funny. And, and then, and then, you know, the doc basically calls and, and he's like, my experiment worked. Everything's slow. They're goes, exactly 25 minutes slow. Exactly. I'm late for school. And then we get, <laughs> and then we, yeah, we get power of love, the big, <laughs> the big, the big song of the movie. And of course we get the infamous skateboard scene. Now every kid in America, uh, wanted to do a skateboard. I mean, you gotta agree. I never got into skateboard until I saw this movie. Now, uh, I, I don't know about you, if you, because I'm from the city, so I actually tried doing this crap, uh, attached myself to car. It didn't go so good, so mm-hmm. I, they should, probably should have put a warning on there. Please don't try this at home. But you know, if you're stupid like me and go ahead and try it, then you know you're not going to be as smooth as Marty was. But that was a pretty sweet scene, wouldn't you agree? Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's very classic '80s, and it, um, the um, the aerobics gym place is the uh, cafe in the '80s. Right, and and this sets up. I mean, one thing with Robert Zemeckis is he does big picture. You know, he pulls the camera away, and and within this couple of minutes, it's to set the whole plot. I mean, you're gonna see all of Hill Valley. Um, and you're going to see how everything changes. Like you said, the aerobics place becomes a cafe later. The, um, the movie theater, um, becomes a porn place later, Yeah. which, which is real funny. But if you notice, which I I told you this earlier and you didn't notice, but that whole lot is the gremlins lot. Um, if you watch gremlins, you'll notice that snow white and the seven dwarves is shown at the same place that the porn place is now. And you know, you don't see the clock tower because they're filming from the other side. So I thought that was really cool. And I noticed that, and that's also in Dukes of Hazzard. If you watch the very first episode of Dukes of Hazzard, you'll notice they're using the same lot for that. Okay. I'm going to have to watch that next time. Yeah. It's pretty, pretty cool. So, um, and, and then we get to where Marty gets to school and we see Mr. Strickland. Um, and the funny joke here is that he has no hair. You really, and that, and that never changes in the fifties. Exactly. And you got, although really his pick. ancestor had hair. Exactly. In Back to the future three. Right, right. Um, the cool thing about this though, is the line that he says where no McFly has ever amounted to anything, to anything in the history of Hill Valley. And he says, history is about the change. And that, that is so true. He does. He changes his whole family history by what's going to happen in the next couple of hours. And, and and that's such an 80s line too. It just works and it definitely it definitely sets up kind of takes you back to when when movies would could say lines like this and people wouldn't groan collectively cuz if there was a line like this in like a movie today, people were like that was so stupid. But, you know, People still watch this movie and they're like, ah, that's funny. Exactly. And uh, now Huey Lewis has obviously the theme song of the movie, Power of Love. And uh, now – Was in this scene? Yes, he's in this scene. And the funny thing is is Michael J. Fox is actually playing Power of Love but more in a a hard rocker kind of style. And Huey Lewis just says, you guys are too darn loud, which I thought was a real hysterical scene. Yeah, it's, it's funny. It's funny. It's very funny. And Jennifer, let's talk about Jennifer here. Now, I'm okay. a, I'm a big Elizabeth Shue fan, obviously, you know, Karate Kid, you know, Allie. But uh, I love this Jennifer more than Elizabeth Shue in the future. I do, too. I do, too. I, I would have loved to see her in the, in, the, in the sequels. And I didn't notice when I was younger that it was a different actress because, cause, cause like I said, I saw the second and third ones first when I was a kid. So I always assumed that Elizabeth Shue was always Jennifer. 
And but I like the, I, I like this Jennifer better than the one in the sequels because the one in the sequels, oh, like like Marty in this movie, is just basically thrown around a lot. Yeah, and it's not a problem. It's just it is what it is. And I and I really thought that that, that Claudia Wells really did a good job portraying this kind of support to, to Marty and his dreams because he wants to do this thing, but he has confidence issues, which he gets from his father, exactly. and he really, she really just really is very supportive of everything. He's like, you should do this, you should do that, blah, blah, blah. And it was it was, it was really, really good. Yeah. And I, I liked her. I liked yeah, her. and she's not in the film for very long, but no. her presence comes along pretty strong. I do love how the fact of uh, when she writes her phone number down, she's able to do it in uh, uh, like half a second. But, you know, we're talking movie time here where five minutes is like five hours. So I guess that pulls yeah. off. But um, um, And, and she, Marty never gets to kiss her. Exactly. Pretty much. Well, no, no. As soon as she writes down the phone. Oh, number, that's right. Like, oh, that's right. Them a kiss, well, and then they play maybe, for love. So maybe that's just a joke in the sequels because he never gets to kiss her until like, the final moments of the trilogy. Right, right. But in the first one, he does get to kiss her. And, that's uh, right. That's right. And now, of course, we get the you know before she says goodbye, we get the pivotal save the clock tower, the the- where we get the history <laughs> of the clock tower. Right, right. The history of the clock tower. The clock tower stopped working at 10:04 p.m. on November 12, 1955. Okay, I'm going to go right into it right now, what my issue is with this movie. Okay. How many seconds are in a minute? Uh, about 60, sir. Okay, so obviously this is nitpick, but it precisely at 10.04 p.m., the electricity struck the clock tower, but couldn't it have been the first second, the second second, the third second? It could have been, it could have been, but it's a movie, and it's an 80s movie, so right. you kind of have to dismiss that kind of thing. I mean, a lot of people were more forgiving of all these nitpicks in the 80s than there are now. Right, and like I said, if that's my only nitpick, then obviously it's pretty much a perfect movie. So Pretty much, I mean, what was your other nitpick that we uh, the, were talking about? That you don't know how Marty and Doc became. Oh, yeah, well, if that's your only two nitpicks, then I think that's fine. Exactly. Um... <laughs> So let's get into and let's get into the fun stuff where Marty obviously is on the skateboard and the funny thing is he's on the back of a police car and we get to see where he lives, which is a pivotal moment because you got to pay attention to the signs of uh, you know of where he lives because that will United States. Yep, exactly. So we get to see this car pull up and it's all wrecked and we get to see Mr. Biff. And uh, now, what do you think of Biff? I like Biff. I I, I think uh, I think Tom Wilson really um, he gets the comedy down of Biff as this you know menacing kind of guy who's also not the uh, brightest bulb in the tannin lamp. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> and he really pulls off the comedy, but he can really pull off the seriousness when 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 need be, as we see later in the film. Right. And I, I really think he he did a good job. I mean, he he pulls off this. I mean, right from the get go, you get that this guy's a menacing guy, but he's an idiot because he says. <laughs> Like, I don't know, McFly. How can you loan me your car and not tell me it had a blind spot? And George is like, blindsided, blind spot. I could have been killed. Yeah. I was like, no, 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 Biff, I never noticed a car would have any blind spot before when I would drive it. Right. I mean, the best is, I tow your car here and all you got for me is a light beer. I mean, dude, you wrecked his car and you did him a favor by towing his car to his house. (laughs) That's a favor? Okay, seriously. But uh, yeah, I mean, we basically get the get George McFly. Now it's a shame that Crispin Glover uh, became such a douchebag later on, where he thought he needed more money than Michael J. Fox. Because I really would have enjoyed him in the future sequels. But uh, oh yeah, so would I, so would I. And he's kind of a he's kind of a 
I, I on the Blu-ray, um, Michael J. Fox actually reveals that you know Crispin was kind of, uh, I, I, I kind of out out there. Like there's a, a scene that he was gonna gonna do in number one in the fifty scenes where he was sweeping, and he's sweeping and he's sweeping and he's sweeping, and and, and Michael's like Crispin, what are you doing? Like I'm giving them the sweep of indignation. Wow. Yeah, and so it, you know, like Crispin's kind of out there as far as <laughs> acting goes, but he definitely did uh, like his version of what he thought uh, George should be like in the future was a little off. He thought that he should, you know, have hair slicked back with a wife beater on. And yeah, Uh, Crispin's a kind of an, Crispin Glover is a kind of an out there actor. He definitely did the the part well, I think. I mean, he, you definitely like the way he looks in the past, present and future. He definitely pulls it off, but um, he's definitely an, an out there kind of an actor. Right. And, uh, you know, we kind of get the scene where he goes, uh, you know, do you have my work for me? You know, I would get fired if I turn in my work. You wouldn't want to you wouldn't want that to happen. Now, in this scene, he he doesn't uh, he doesn't think too long before Biff pulls him versus later. He actually sits there and thinks about, yeah, I want you to get kicked out of school. So that right. scene comes into play later. But we kind of see where George is basically where he is a very um, – I don't know, innocent, but he's not a confrontational person, which you get. Now, he's not a confrontational person. He lets people push him around, and he lets Beth push him around, lets lots of other people push him around, and he, that's basically, he's basically eked his way through life. Exactly. Because he's got a dead-end job at, I don't know what he does, but he, it's basically a dead-end job working for Biff, which, you know, that's got to suck. Right. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you, you have to do your homework for, for for this guy, and then you find out, hey, I'm, you're working for him. Right, and but, and then we get into the whole family scene where we see how Marty basically is the straight person of this family. You know, we get the brother who uh, was actually Jimmy Olsen in the Superman film, so I yes, love Mark watching McClure. him. Yeah. I love Mark McClure. Mark McClure is a great actor. He's one of my favorite character actors of the 80s. He, uh, yes. he, he did this um, short film that I'm a real fan of uh, in the 80s called The Phone call it's uh, made by brigham young university and he is hilarious in that movie and i'll send it to you it's really funny awesome and um and i love mark mcclure um we also have um helinda mcfly played by wendy joe sperber who who passed away due to breast cancer in 2005 um sad to say um and uh but but she was in this movie i like the way she was and we also have uh, Leah Thompson as um, Lorraine Baines McFly, and can I just say that if um, if if the makeup in this movie it was any representation of how they were supposed to look later in life, Thomas F. Wilson, Tom Wilson, looks exactly the same way he does now as he does in these 1985 scenes. Yes. Leah Thompson is gorgeous. Yes, she's still <laughs> she's still now obviously. The make the makeup, especially for these, was great, but it, they had to add weight to Leah Thompson, which of course she doesn't actually weigh that much. But you know that that kind of gives you why she's not looking her age is because of all the weight that was added to her in this film. Uh, you know, and, and at least in this scene here, uh, where you get the introduction of like why does she actually like you know why did she marry George and all this stuff, and and the funny thing is how. Uh, you realize 
realize how they met, which, you know, the cor- of course the kids are like, we've heard this a million times, but us viewers haven't. So, of course, she has to tell the story for like the millionth and one time. Uh, but the funny thing is, uh, what was it, George? Was it bird watching? And really, he was staring at your boobs is what he was doing. Yeah. Uh, but he's never going to tell you that. <laughs> of yeah. course not. Of course not. And the thing is, um, and, you know, she, you realize, you know, that she married him because, you know, she's like, and I realize. I was going to spend the rest of my life with him. And then he does that laugh. That laugh, is, that, that whole scene is hysterical because she's like, that's when I knew I would spend the rest of my life with him. And then he does that outrageous laugh and then she's like – she looks at him like, I can't believe I married this guy. Like I, it, it makes you think that like that night if Marty hadn't done something, she probably would have committed suicide. Yeah. It, excellent scene because within a matter of three minutes, you get how Marty's life is not peachy. It's not great. He's got kind of a jacked up family, and uh, yeah. it, it really sets the tone for for the rest of the film. And of course, you know we see Marty sleeping. He gets the phone call from Doc to come down and meet him um, because he's got this big experiment he's got to show him. So then we get the you know the famous you see the the mall. The J.C. Penny Mall, as I like to call it. Yeah, the uh, Twin Pines Mall, and a lot of this stuff was filmed on location. A, a lot of it, like yeah. there's uh, there's actually a website where you can go to where you can see what these places actually look like. Lion Estates, all the '50s stuff. Um, you know, the town square is obviously filmed on a set, but everything else is pretty much on location. Yes, and uh, it's an excellent scene because we see Einstein. Um, as the doc likes to call him. And then we get the big epic reveal of the car coming out, which I always thought the GMC logo in the front looked really weird. I thought it was like CMC, but I didn't right. know it was supposed to be a G when I was a kid, so I thought that was kind of funny. Um, mm-hmm. And now Christopher Lloyd, he steals this movie. Any uh, okay? Oh, yes. This is Michael J. Fox's movie, but the moment Christopher Lloyd is on screen, it has officially become a Christopher Lloyd movie because oh, yeah. he, he his whole job is his facial expressions. His face tells thousands of lines, and he. Oh yes, oh yes. One of my favorite moments is is later in, in the movie where he you know says and like oh my Peabody owned all this. He spent all those years breeding pine, pine trees. trees. And, and, then, it, and, it, and he just it just looks down, and then he just walks off. <laughs> yeah, just it, it's just it's just it's great. And uh, so and the thing with Christopher Lloyd is is you know Michael J. Fox said this in an interview is that you never knew what he was gonna do because you know he would he would do it like off cam- like you know practice the lines, table reads, the whole thing, and you never knew how he was gonna perform it. Like he would do like three different takes of one scene, and it would be ever every time be totally different because he would always give his one hundred and ten percent to the camera, and you gotta you gotta respect that. Exactly. Now here's kind of where things get funny, where he's revealing to him that it's a time machine. And uh, he's, you know, he's like, you built a time machine out of a DeLorean, which we don't get to until a little bit. But this is where he's trying to explain everything to Marty, and he, and he has the camera. And uh, we get to my favorite line of the film, which uh, is, um, if my calculations are correct, when this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious, yeah. And, yeah, uh, and I have to say something about that. I first, when I first watched this movie on TV, um... Uh, when Doc's about to say that line, that when this baby hits 88 miles per hour, and the 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 sound of his voice instantly changes to to you're gonna say some serious stuff. 
Right. And it's hilarious. I'm like, that is so bad. Yeah. And the, <laughs> I love how TV nowadays actually gets the actor to re-record the, the swear word versus back then you got some off-the-wall dude come in, do the line, and you're like – That sounded like Christopher Lloyd but not enough. Right. Um, so, of course, we, we see the reveal where the car – you know, the car disappears. We get the lightning, which the lightning looked great, especially for, you know, the time, you know, the 80s, basically. Like like the sonic booms, they all looked great for this movie. I mean, they, they probably blew their budget on this in the ending scene of the movie. Yes, definitely. And, <laughs> and of course, Doc is trying to explain, you know, why I built a time machine and might as well do it with some style by using a car. And then that's right. when Tiny comes back. And uh, now we realize that plutonium um, is how this car work uh, how the time travel works i mean obviously it's a yeah. flux capacitor but you need plutonium to power the time machine to, yes. get, to go back in time which you know obviously goes back to the very beginning of the movie uh with you know the stolen plutonium and stuff mm-hmm. and, and then we get the funny scene where um you know the doc oh before we do that when he's trying to tell marty how things work and he starts setting the dates i love how he says let if you want to see the birth of christ and he puts in december 25th like, zero 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 zero. We all know Jesus was born in the summer. He wasn't born on Christmas Day, but yeah. that that's a topic for another podcast. But I just yeah. thought it was real funny to see that. It, it, it's funny. And the signing of the Declaration of Independence, July fourth, seventeen seventy six, which then Doc gets to, you know, huge exposition scene, uh, where he says, here's another red later date in the history of science, November fifth, nineteen fifty five. And then and, that's yeah. And like and probably science buffs are like, there's nothing happened in that day, right? Exactly. But, but then he reveals that you know it's the day I invented time travel. I was um, I was fixing a clock and I was standing on the edge of the toilet. Porcelain was wet. I slipped, hit my head on the edge of the sink, and then when I came to, I had a revelation, a vision, a picture of my head, a picture of this, the the flux capacitor. This is what makes time travel possible. Okay, now this is where the editing got bad because Marty is filming where he goes, "You mean to tell me that this sucker suck this? You mean to tell me that this sucker is nuclear?" And he goes, "No, no, no, no." And that's when he pulls the camera up. Well, later on in the movie, the can that whole scene is already like Marty had the camera up when he really had it down. I mean, it's a nitpick, yeah. like I said, but on, when he's watching back later. He's seen his whole face. He's not seen the camera. Come uh, up. I think I think the camera was down when he said, hey, hey, "Are you telling me that, that, that this sucker is nuclear?" But 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 then he says, "No, no, no, no turn that thing back on." He puts the camera up, and and, and he says, "No, no, no, the sucker's electrical." But I need but I need the plutonium to generate the one point twenty one gigawatts of electricity. I need Marty has his camera up when he's saying that, and that's yes. the important. But I I meant like he doesn't pull up until he says, "No, no, no, this suck," you know. This sucker is that that scene right there. I I've, I've seen it a hundred times, man, and I know that Marty's camera wasn't up at the time where he's after he says, "You mean to tell me this sucker is nuclear?" and he goes, "No, no, no, no," and that's when after he says, "No, no, no," is when he pulls the camera. Up. But whatever, right. you know, it, it's yeah, whatever. It's, it's, it's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the, the funny scene is is the uh, is the Libyans. I love this scene as a kid. I thought it was hilarious. I'll tell you for a, this movie's rated what PG, right? Yeah, PG. Okay. They say the S word like what? 50 times in this movie? I lose track. They they say the S word, they say the D word, they say the H, H word, they say the uh the Bitka word. Yeah, uh, I this is a family show people, so we aren't actually going to go ahead and tell you what these words are, but you can guess what we're trying to say here. But Yeah, I mean, it's just um yeah, I mean, back then in the 80s, swearing was a little regarded a little differently than it is now. 
Yeah. Which is good. Which is right. good. But but still. But yeah. Still. But I mean, we get the funny scene where you know Marty's like, "Holy!" You know, he says it, and the Libyans come, and because this is the part where you find out that you know he stole the plutonium and and basically gave him pinball parts. Um, he basically gave him a shotty bomb casing filled of old pinball machine parts. Right, and uh, so they blow Doc away, and uh, Marty's can't believe it. So of course he jumps into the you know, time machine. And he just sits there and stares. I'm like, I know he's in shock, but dude, seriously, close the door and take off. Why are you just sitting there? But, you know, I mean, it only lasts for a couple seconds and they, you know, they run after him and we get this excellent, you know, chase scene. And right before he's about 88 miles per hour, he turns a corner. The speed goes down. Now, seriously, dude, why would you say, let's see if you can do 90. If you know you're in a time machine, it's like, it's like for like the next five minutes, he completely forgot everything he just saw. Well, well, uh, it, it's not only that. I don't think he forgot. I just think you know he, he, he uh, heat of the moment. He's just like uh, like doing stuff and you know driving the car. You know, heat of the moment. He his his very good friend just got shot, and and he's trying to escape the you know the the speeding of you know Libyan terrorists. Right. So I mean, I could kind of forgive him. I noticed that, but I can kind of forgive yeah, him. Yeah, I, I forgive him too. I just thought it was kind of kind of funny and the good thing is is when he does actually go back in time he doesn't hit a building that was there he goes into the wide open farmland which was nice you know yeah like like one of the rules of this movie is um is you know they basically follow the rules of uh hg wells time machine in that um that they travel through time and not through space and a lot of time travel movies you know after this and some of them before it um, kind of broke that rule. Like you would, um, you know, you'd be in California and then you time travel to England in the 14th century or something. Right. And and you know, um, I think that there's a, a huge distinction between traveling through time and traveling through space. But although some time travel stories they say traveling through time and traveling through space is about the same thing, because um, they tra- I saw this time travel story. You've seen it. It's called Josh Kirby Time Warrior, where they traveled through time. But because they but because they went through this temporal disturbance, they um their their time journey was successful, but their spatial journey was disrupted, make rendering them invisible. Right. Yeah. No, so. I never never seen it, but it sounds pretty cool. And we get the real funny scene. I mean, this is kind of where the movie's already been fast and good, but this is where we get into the real the real meat. juice. Right. The real meat of the film, where we get the funny scene. He you know goes in the barn, and and his um his plutonium suit just happens to fall on his face. So we kind of get the Star Wars type. Because uh, the the DeLorean had these really cool doors, that, doors. that pop up, so the yeah. kid of course has you know an outer space comic book, and I love this old guy. Oh, he is flipping hilarious when Marty you know basically uh, is getting shot at by this guy because he thinks he's an alien. And he Take that, you mutated sob! <laughs> <laughs> he, he takes out his pine. He's like, you space. space. Yeah, I love you, it. You, you you broke our pine. Yeah, I love it. It's no, 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 no. The, the the funny part is they use the DeLorean as the time machine just so they could do that joke with the spaceship <laughs> and the uh, alien coming out. Like they crafted the uh, comic book cover just so they just so they could do that. They had the DeLorean so they could do this joke, and it just it worked, and yes. it's funny. It is and, funny. And you know, and Marty is driving away. He's driving in this. 
you know, car that looks alien to everybody, and he's driving it out in the open field. You know, he's not thinking because he he's just like, what the heck is going on here? And um, then he he's like, okay, I'm just gonna go home. And he drives up in front of his old home, you know, his his his, his housing development, and it's not even there. Exactly. I mean, it's, it's basically coming soon. Lion Estates. This is where you want to live, and it turns out to be a, a dump in the eighties. Right. And of course, the car stops working because this is kind of the running joke: is that the DeLorean um, dies, the starter dies. So yeah. he's kind of he's kind of which will work for his benefit, which we'll get into in a little bit. But uh, of course, he has to hide the car, and he walks to Hill Valley, and of course, he has the little life preserver on, which I thought you know was hilarious. But then we get to see the fifties. Now, if this movie was remade today, which we're we're crazy with these remakes, I hope they never do remake this movie. But I'll tell you, if they do, there's no way they could pull it off because no. the nineteen nineties isn't much different than than now. I mean, so really, a kid would be like, "Oh my gosh, there's no internet, there's no cell phone." You couldn't yeah. have the same dramatic effect. As an '80s going back to the '50s versus a kid in 2011 mm-hmm. going back to the '80s and '90s, it wasn't. It was different, but not the dramatic change with the culture, with the clothing. That I mean, think about it. I mean, we wear '80s clothes today. There's yeah, not we have clothes. '80s. Ha- we have '80s hair, and like someone would like yeah, like you said. Basically, I don't think this would work. And you know, I'm just gonna put this out there. The this and the Princess Bride are the movies that I will boycott or remake for. Well, I've already done that for Karate Kid. I, you know, you know my story. I'll never watch that movie, even though I said, "Yeah, I give it a try." And I'm like, "No, I just I won't do it. I, I will not watch the Kung Fu Kid." Kind of the same thing, uh, you know, for you right. if, if they were remake that. But you, this I movie just, just I just wouldn't would not, watch it. Yeah, it just would not work if you try to remake no. it. But no, I, mean, I I'm not a big fan of the '50s, but I definitely dig it in this film. And this is where you get to see the Pepsi logo is different. Now you get to see instead of Miller Highlight, it's Millery. You see, Texaco pretty much has the same logo, just a little bit different, um, because you know logos are a way of telling time travel. You know, because those change every couple of years. So that's real one good way how they were able to pull this '50s off. And, yeah. And then of course we see him going to the cafe, and the funny part is he looks in a phone book trying to find Doc, um, and he's like, "Great, you're still alive." Like, how's the phone book tell you he's still alive? I thought that was funny. Um, yeah. Uh, and also another thing that's very interesting. Um, is when when Marty's in town, um, he sees there's a movie poster of a movie that is starring Ronald Reagan. Nice. Mi- which, I did not, I did play, not notice w- that. W- w- which plays off in a joke later in the movie. Yes, later, yeah. And uh, so, of course, he finds the um, address um, to to Doc Brown. And uh, and then, now, okay. So, does he get hit by the car before or after he sees the Doc? He, see, yes, he gets hit by the car before he sees Doc because he has to go see Doc and then because Doc asked him if he's done anything, interact with anyone besides me, and he says he bumped into his pants. Okay. So he, he – well, what, what happens, he goes into the into the cafe and um, and he sees George. Yeah. And he's basically – basically hasn't changed a bit since um, since he last saw him back in the 80s. And, you know, Biff's picking on him, saying the exact same line, saying, you know, do my homework if you – if you um, turn in my homework with my hand, with your handwriting, I get kicked out of school. You wouldn't want that to happen. And there is some hesitation, yes. like like you mentioned. And um, it's basically hit, hit the same line. And then we also have the funny scene with the, uh, the with the mayor, yeah, and, which was funny. Is like like it's like I'm going to go to night school and I'm going to be somebody. That's right. He's going to be mayor. <laughs> mayor. 
mayor. That's I could run for mayor. That's a good idea. A colored mayor. That'll be the day. Yeah, just wait to see a colored person. I'm going to clean up this town. Good. You can start by, start by sweeping the floor. The floor. Yeah. Good times. <laughs> but yeah, the uh, the whole scene, the the face of Michael J. Fox when he's looking at it, at George, and George is like, what? You know, with, with milk dripping down. And, and he's like, you're George McFly. Yeah, who are you? And, and that's where George takes off. And uh, this is where we see the story that Lorraine was talking about earlier about what was George doing before he got hit with the car. Because if you don't know, uh, George got, gets hit by a car and she feels sorry for him. And that's kind of what starts the whole – why she starts to fall for him. Well, in this case, Marty sees that his dad's up in the tree actually looking at Leah Thompson, which I didn't know until recently actually. And then he falls. And, of course, Marty at that point changes history, knocks his dad out of the way. He gets hit by the car. And let me just say, this scene – Dude, Michael J. Fox must have really got hit because the way his head hits the ground, that don't look like no styrofoam he hits. That looks like real concrete. I know, I know. I mean, it, it must be great to movie magic because the way when he gets hit by the car, his feet actually, you know, does some skidding as well. Yeah, like it looks like he trips over uh, he trips over himself and then he and then he falls and and and, and I liked the, the the imagery that they use after you know Marty is like laying unconscious on the ground and you see George like get up and and then and then walk away. It's just like like fate has intervened and had been intervened and changed. And yes. It's not- and and then we get the famous scene which is played out. Through the remain- There's two particular scenes that are played out in every movie, and this is the first one, is where he wakes up and Lorraine's basically telling what year it is, and we get the real funny scene, the reveal. 1955! Right. And <laughs> he goes, you're so, you know, you're, you're my ma, you're my, you know. You're so thin. Yeah, you're so thin. So, and she keeps calling Calvin because he's wearing Calvin Klein underwear, and we get a real funny scene. Now, the thing I like about this scene is uh, when... She, when he's like, where's my pants? And Lorraine's mom's calling her, which I believe this mom is the same mom from Gremlins. If I'm mistaken, tell me because I swear she is the actual mom from Gremlins because she sure looks exactly like her. But Well, I've got the IMDb pulled up on Back to the Future, so let's just see here. While yeah. you, you, you keep talking. But what I was going to say is, is that if you watch in the mirror when uh, she throws him his pants, you can see her in the mirror looking at him and smiling. Yeah, and, it's and funny. <laughs> it's so funny. And, and now this movie was too taboo for Disney because Disney was one of the last places that uh, they were going to sell this movie. And they're like, no, we can't have somebody, you know, have a mom and, and you know, mom and son love relationship. That's just too risky for us, you know. And, yeah, and, and, the, and, and now look what they're doing. Right, exactly. <laughs> this movie definitely treats it with with respect uh they don't put a gross factor into it until there's only one scene where we get the gross factor which we'll get into later but uh the scene is so funny how uh we get mr growing uh the wonder years um jason harvey is at the dinner table mr young and of course we see uh marty's um uncle joey uh, he's in the playpen and he screams if he ever gets out and he says the funny line of "You better get used to these bars, bars kid." kid. And, uh, and that and Jason, uh, Har- which I'm not sure who he plays. I think his name is uh, uh, Toby. I think is his name. Um, he said he pulled. They pull out the TV and uh, he goes, "Yeah, you know we have a TV. We have two of them." And he goes, "Wow, you must be rich." Be rich. I'm like, dude, if you should see us now, we got like five TVs. We got. I like, know, and we're and, and we're not rich. <laughs> we're like millionaires, dude. What are you talking about? Well, yes, the um the uh 
the um, mom in this is the mom from Gremlins. Oh, okay, awesome. I thought it was. Even though her voice sounds – she does her voice different in this movie than she does in Gremlins, it, she looks exactly like her. And I, I just – also. Also, don't mean to cut you off, but one thing we didn't mention, we kind of blew through the uh, the uh, the Biff scene in, in the cafe, but uh, one of um, Biff's Billy dudes, Zane. Billy, Billy Zane, Zane yep. from uh, Titanic. Yeah, I was going to bring that up, but I, I, I forgot. Yeah, um, yeah. He, doesn't, yeah I, he doesn't ever thought, say anything. But. No, no he, he says something in number two. Yes. Uh, actually, well, he's he like, says, how do you change his clothes so fast? And he also says, we can do this the easy way or the hard way. Right. Number two. Yeah. That that's his only two lines, but yeah. <laughs> uh, but this is funny how he sees the honeymooners, which is what his dad was watching earlier, and he goes, you know, I've seen this one, I've seen this one, and it's you know, it's a rerun. He goes, well, what's a rerun? Well, they don't even call it reruns nowadays. I mean, with the internet, it's just kind of kind of funny. Yeah. We don't even have reruns anymore. I miss yeah. reruns. Yeah, reruns were good times, man. When I was a kid, man, I got home, and uh, if it was a rerun, I'm like, oh, great, I love this episode, or, oh, I don't yeah, yeah I don't yeah. remember this episode. Now it's I remember, like... I remember watching reruns of Star Trek every summer, and that was fun. See, I'm not a Star Trek fan, so I never watched any of that. Well, well, I mean, it's, it's basically the same thing with shows you, you, you might have watched. You know, you watch reruns of things like Boy Meets World or anything. It's just reruns. People love to watch reruns, no matter if it was new or or, or how old it was. Now, people just like, nah, I've seen that one. Don't want to see it anymore. Yep. yep. And and the, then we get the mom that says, you know, you look so familiar. Do do I know your mother? And, of course, we get the funny, yeah, I think maybe you do. And, and that whole scene is just hilarious how she wants him to stay, you know, because dad hit him with the car and he could sleep in my room and she puts his hands on his thigh and he goes, no, you okay, know. Okay, I'm out of here. <laughs> I'm out of here. And, and then her dad's like, if you ever have a kid like that, Lorraine, I'll disown you. Flipping hilarious. Which is why we never see the Bane side of the family in the future. Yes, exactly. So then we finally get to where Marty um, finds Doc, which we see the, the we see the mansion, the one that uh, was talked about in the paper. And uh, the funny thing, he opens the door and he's got that big thing on his head and sticks the little uh, – to try to read his mind. Sticks I'm going to read your thoughts. Yes. And he does all these funny lines. But the thing I love the most is when Marty pulls the plug off of his forehead and they play the music in the background with the little like uh, – it sounds like um, like beads almost in like a can. It's a, it's a really cool sound, like a, like a rattlesnake sound. When he's pulling <laughs> off, he goes, da. Uh, from the future, and you hear the little rattlesnake sound. It's a really cool effect. It, it, it is a really cool sound. You can hear it turning off and stuff. It's cool. Yeah, it's good times. Cool. And, and he, the doc doesn't hear a word he's saying, just that, do you know, do what, you this know what this means? And, and Marty's like, no. Yes. <laughs> it I, means that this dang thing doesn't work at all. So, and then... Of course, he thinks he's crazy because he tries to tell him that, uh, you know, who's the president and, you know, Ronald Reagan. And so he has to tell him about how the flux capacitor came into play because, you know, he was telling him earlier that this was the day that I invented time travel because I fell, hit my head. And after Marty tells him the story that the doc just told him a couple hours earlier, Doc all of a sudden remember, you know, is like, wow, I actually believe you. So then when Marty takes him to the car and he sees, he goes, I finally invented something that works. Like, bet your butt it works. (laughs) Yeah. So then we get the the excellent scene where, you know, they're trying to figure out uh, how they're going to get him home. And after he plays the video back, he goes, oh, man, now I know why your president is an actor. He's got his own movie, you know, portable movie stereo, you know, theater. So I thought that was kind of funny. 
that whole where he's showing the video and the doc is just impressed with the video camera. I'm like, dude, you should see what they look like now, man. They're little handheld things, man. They're excellent. And and, and then, you know, he sees the clip of, um, of he says, no, 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 this sucker's electrical. I need 1.21 gigawatts of electricity I need. And he's like, 1.21 gigawatts? Great, Scott. Oh, 1.21 gigawatts. I'm like, what the heck is a gigawatt? 1.21 gigawatts? Tom, how could I have been so careless? It can't be done. It can't. It's okay, Doc. All we need is a little plutonium. Oh. <laughs> I was like, I'm sure for you, plutonium must be available at every corner drugstore. But in 1955, it's a little hard to come by. Marty, I'm afraid you're stuck here. I can't be stuck here. I got a life in 1985. I got a girl. Is she, she pretty? Is she pretty? Doc, she's beautiful. Look at what she wrote me. Yeah, good. Like, I'm, I'm sorry, Marty, but the only the only way to generate 1.21 gigawatts of electricity is a bolt of lightning. And you never know or when it's ever going to strike. You do now. Da da. And then of course the flyer. Now here's my thing with the flyer. My thought is is that because it says precisely at 10:04 p.m. the lightning strikes the clock tower. I'm thinking there had to be a witness the night of this. They'd be like, oh my gosh, at exactly 10.04, the lightning hit, and that's how it was documented on the flyer. I mean, you can't actually see that on the flyer, but it said that uh, it was precise at 10.04 p.m. So that's kind of how I can forgive it because of the fact that it's supposedly on the flyer. I I, I think um, why it was documented 10.04 p.m., because I mean, it says 10.04 p.m. on the clock. It stops right there. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I can kind of forgive it that way because, you know, you, you can't deny what you see right there. Yeah. And and then, of course, that's when Marty's actually getting excited that it's a week away. I get to have fun. Doc's like, nope, you can't do that because anything you do can affect the course of history. And that's when he realizes that, yeah, he just screwed up his parents and now his brother is fading away. And that uh, unless he repairs the damage, he will be the last person to basically fade away into non-existence basically so of course we get the high school scene is like wow they really cleaned this place up well the truth is it was always clean and got jacked up in your age but that's that's kind of a funny line and that's when we see george mcfly getting picked on in school and mr strickland he's like wow didn't that guy ever have hair and uh, this is where we kind of get the funny looks of Christopher Lloyd as he kind of walks around the school and, and sees how his mom is in love with him. Um, and- There's a funny scene that got cut um, but when, when Marty and Doc first arrive at the school is uh, when they see Lorraine cheating, and it's, it's, it's pretty funny. Excellent. She was, like, yeah. cheating on uh, a test. A test, right? A test. Yeah, I yeah. saw that on the, on the DVD deleted scene. Good yeah. times. So, and he goes, so what is, you, we got to get your mom to interact. And he goes, what do they like to do together? He's like, nothing. nothing. Which is what most kids would say because, you know, you don't know what your parents like. I mean, I I don't know what my parents, I mean, I know what they like to do. But back then when they, when they first got together, I wouldn't know. Yeah, like, but like what, I, I, I mean, if, if I was, because I mean, Marty's like, what, 17? Um, and, uh, and he's like seeing his parents who are also 17. And, you know, when I was 17, I had no idea what my parents like to do together. I mean, I'm sure they like to go out to dinner and stuff, but right. that's all I knew. <laughs> yeah, I mean, everybody likes to eat. So, of course, we see how things are going to supposed to play is that this is the dance. The Chapman Under the Sea dance, this is where, because he knows the story, because his mom had just told him for like the million and one time that 
that's where they kiss for the first time, fall in love. It's a rhythmic ceremony or ritual coming up. Ex- exactly. <laughs> I love that. Good that's times. always been my favorite line in Back to the Future. There's a rhythmic ceremony or ritual coming up. <laughs> yeah, Doc has excellent, excellent – he probably made that up, actually. probably wasn't even in the screenplay. Might not have been. So, yeah, basically um, at this point is where – all right. After this scene, what happens? Uh, well, after this scene, um, you know, you know, like he says, there's a rhythmic ceremony ritual coming up, and Doc says, like, all right, kid, you stick to your father like glue, and make sure he takes you to that dance. Oh yeah, and, and that's where he goes to talk. And, 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 and then it cuts to to to, 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 to George, you know, where he, you know, basically where he's like writing something. He's like, like, what are you writing? And he says, I'm writing stories, fiction stories, science about, fiction stories, stories about visitors coming down to Earth from other, from other planets. planets. Get, Get out, out of here. I didn't know you did anything creative. <laughs> and, and you know, he asks to read it, and he says, no, I never let anyone read my stories. What if they didn't like them? What if they didn't? What if uh, they, they told them I was no good? And it's like, I don't think anybody can understand that. And, you know, Marty kind of gets that because, you know, in the in the 80s, he's kind of nervous about, you know, kind of um taking his step into the music industry. You know, so he kind of he gets that, and he learns that that's where he kind of gets that from, you know, that, you know, that's... It's not all him, and it's just something his father did. And, you know, we all have, you know, we we, we, we all want to, you know, not avoid, we all want to not become our parents, but sometimes we have genes that no matter how much we want to change just dominate us, and that's, you know, that's Marty's, is, you know, his self-confidence problem. But yeah. but then he changes the subject into, um, he's like, you know, Lorraine, she really likes you. And, you know, you know, I think that George really liked Lorraine. Lorraine might, might not have really liked George at the time, you know, when they first dated. But I really think that George really, really liked Lorraine. He just never let on. Right. And, you know, the car accident kind of, you know, put him where he needed to be. Yep. And, um, but when it didn't happen, he just kind of ignored it. And he's just like, ah, I don't want to ask her. I think so- she wants to go with someone else. And, you know, Marty thinking, oh, it's probably him. Like, um, who? Um, Biff. Biff. And he doesn't actually say Biff. He's like Biff, like with it, like a T at the end almost. Now here's here's my here's what I think is funny about about Biff is uh, he plays such a good bad guy, but like he later on became like a pastor. So it's like real funny to see him play like this type of part. And like you know later on he tries to rape Lorraine. It's just kind yeah. of funny to see. You know I don't know if he's still doing that now, but I know later on he did. It was kind of funny. But it's just it's kind of funny to when you know the real Biff in real life. And yeah, it's just it gets kind of funny. Um, you know where we see the the beginning of the you know we always knew Biff was a jerk, but this is kind of where he grabs Lorraine by the arm and becomes physical. So this is kind of where you know he's not just a jerk, he's a mean, you know, abusive kind of person. Yeah, he's just really really just, you know, he he's basically the, the love him and leave him kind of type like Dean Winchester, but not the lovable Dean Winchester. Basically if Dean Winchester was a douchebag. Exactly. And uh, we get a funny scene where Marty actually stands up to Biff. He's probably the only kid to ever stand up to Biff, which is why everybody was just so freaking Enam- out. Enamored with him, you know, because, you know, no one ever did. Because, yeah. and, you know, like, he's like, I could take this guy, like, get your meat hooks off. 
oh um, please and then he says okay. please like please? like please what <laughs> and he goes i'm gonna cut you you know he pushes him and uh, you're looking for a fight and yeah. he, he was ready to, and, and marty was ready like okay so like okay let's just like not do this and then he starts pushing him, like okay <laughs> make like Which, a tree um, and get out of here so. uh, that's great and i love the look that strickland gives him <laughs> And I love when the afterwards some kid throws an airplane and the laugh that comes from the cafeteria. There's some guy with this crazy laugh. You got to hear it. It's hilarious. Um, I, I just love that guy's laugh in the background. You got to hear yeah. it. Yeah, and is like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Walks off the <laughs> It's good time. So um, he sees George is gone and um, and he chases George down. To um, his house, uh, his house, and he and he says, "Why do you keep following me around?" He says, "Like you need to ask Lorraine to that dance. If you don't, I'm gonna regret it for the rest of my life." Yes. Now <laughs> and, we, we get kind of the goof up though of of this scene because when he says that no one on the face of this planet will ever make me change my mind, and he goes, "Science," because I'll miss my favorite show, science fiction theater. So he gets the idea to dress up in a plutonium suit. And I love how he puts Star Wars and Star Trek together. In together. This, but he has a blow dryer in his belt for the very beginning when he, when he plays Van Halen. Then when they put the camera back, it's not there. And then after they go back to him, then it's there. So Well, the scene is actually much longer. It's, it's, actually, it's actually very massively cut down. Gotcha. And it, it's basically... Um, hinges on on this other deleted scene where where um where Mike where Doc is opening um up um, Marty's stuff. It's not Marty's stuff. It's Doc's stuff. And um, he finds a uh, a hair dryer, and he's, he's like hair dryer. Don't they have towels in the future? And um and then he finds a, a porn magazine. Nice. And he says, "Ooh, I can see the future's looking a whole lot better." <laughs> And um and you know, the, the, the this scene is actually he, he much extended. He actually you know not only does the like the, the loud music which is Van Halen, um and um but it actually says Eric Van Halen because apparently they couldn't get the rights to the band, and um and he would use the he, 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 the blow dryer against against George and not only the uh, the um the music and and. Also, it, it kind of ties into uh, the 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 next scene when George goes to see Marty the next day, and he'd overslept. Um, Marty had actually used chloroform on him and knocked him out cold. And he goes to see Doc. He says, "Yeah, the chloroform worked. I hope it didn't overdo it." And it, of course, did. Right. <laughs> right. So yeah, I, he says, "My name is Darth Vader, and I'm from the planet Falcon." He does a little. Star Trek sign so and that's how he basically convinces George to ask Lorraine out and uh, we get after that is where we get a real cool cafe scene where you get to kind of see the 50s in action and uh, so George is about ready you know Marty first has to tell him some good lines in order to win Lorraine and he screws it up screws it up royally basically I'm your density instead of your destiny <laughs> well, well, he was almost like the whole density thing was. But when she says destiny, she's like, ah, she's totally smitten with him. And then Biff says, "Big fly," and the music just goes, and yes. and Marty's like, oh. God. Which comes to the second scene, which is played out through the remaining sequels, where there's a big fight. Marty escapes, 
and the guys follow him. So, I mean, obviously, we don't need to go into too much detail. It's just the it's a fun good, scene. It's a good fun scene, which is played out through the remaining sequels. And this is definitely the best of the, of the two that will follow it. But uh, the the at the end, though, they crash I into. I kind of like the hoverboard scene, though. Yeah, I, I, I I'm gonna put this out there. Back to the Future is pretty much a perfect five-star movie, but I like part two better, even though I know it's not better than part one. I know that sounds weird, but I enjoy part two over part one, even though I know part two is not nearly as great as part one. I know that's... I kind of did too, a little bit, because it was the first one that I saw, so it kind of has a special place in my heart. Why would you watch part two over one? Like, why did you see two before you saw one? I I I was ten. I didn't know any better. I was a kid. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I was I was born in '84, dude. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. So, time. so um, it's not that I didn't prefer. It's just I watched two and three first because because we only had two and three. Didn't have the first one. Right. Didn't see the first one until much later. I thought I said this. I could have sworn I said it. Yeah, uh, you did. I was just confused because I okay. I right, you right, did right. say you saw two and three first, but I was just confused. Because you said, well, I saw one at 10 and I saw part two and three at 10. And then I was like, what? Gotcha. Oh, okay, okay. Sorry if I wasn't clear on that. But I do like the hoverboard scene. Um, I, I don't think the uh, the uh, Marty running away from Buford and his guys on horseback, um, I don't think it stacks up between the uh, you know the skateboard and the hoverboard scene. Right. I think I would put right. the hoverboard scene and the skateboard scene and then the, uh, the horseback scene. I just didn't feel it had the same kind of feel i know they were trying to recreate it in three but i just don't think it works which we'll get to that uh when we get to number three but it's definitely yeah. the weakest sequel of, of an awesome trilogy and, and when i mean weak i mean i'm like it only falls like a star if that but yeah. uh but yeah still- yeah still good movie and of course the running joke is manure uh biff crashes into manure which that will as well run into the following sequels and i'm not sure if it was real manure or not but it, w- it was good stuff um I wouldn't know about good, but okay. No, I mean the scene <laughs> itself was good that you know all that happened to him, and you find out later what happened in part two. You'll find you'll get the inside scoop of what happened after that car after that manure scene to where Biff shows up later in the film, which I thought was an excellent touch. But uh, after the manure, after he gets hit with manure and Marty gets away, he kind of created the skateboard because he took a kid's little. You know, scooter. scooter type thing, broken in half and created the skateboard, which is another cool history thing he did. But then we go back to where Doc is actually seeing what happens to him later in the future. Marty comes in, he shuts it off, pretend like nothing happened. And then Lorraine shows up and wants Marty to take her to the dance. And he's just like, nobody's asked you. What about George? Well, George, he's kind of cute and all, but not. And yeah. So he's like, okay, I guess I'll take you. But then he has to tell George that... Um, she wants to go to dance with you and he's like, how can she go to dance with me if she's already going to dance with you? Because George, she wants to go with you. She just doesn't know it it yet, but I've never picked a fight in my whole life. You're not going to be picking a fight, dad, 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 daddy. Oh, and, um, and you know, well, in this scene, you know, when he's like trying to urge George to kind of, you know, be confrontational a little bit. I kind of got the feeling that Marty and George have had this conversation before in 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 the 80s. Yeah. You know, it just had that feel of, you know, like cuz you know George is kind of a pushover and you know he um and I I and Marty wasn't. So um 
So I, did, I always got the feeling that they kind of had that conversation before. So it wasn't new to new to Marty to cover this with his dad. Yeah. And uh, so after this, you know, after they agree on how they're going to basically get him to win her over, we get to the, uh, you know, the dance, basically the Enchantment Under Sea dance. And we see music playing, you know, the 50s style. And uh, that's where Marty will pull up with Lorraine because he basically has to take advantage of her. Um, but when he realizes what he has to do, he just can't go through with it because it's his mom. And he starts to see what his mom's really like. You know, she said she never sat in a parked car with a boy, never smoked, never drank. And then she sees that she's sitting she's in a car. Bag. Yeah, she's sitting, at, you know, she's smoking. He's like, gee, just, you smoke too? Now, the Mark, funny- you're beginning to sound just like my mother. Right, and the funny thing is, on the deleted scene, I'm I'm sure you know this. They actually put real liquor in that thing when he spits. But the, the, that was before the final shot in the film. But as a joke, they put real liquor in. It was supposed to be water. He took a drink of it and spit it out, and he started like swearing because he couldn't believe it was real liquor. And everybody, and Leah Thompson was in on the joke, and they thought it was real funny. That's uh, probably. I know that. That's yeah, probably my favorite deleted scene. It's on the DVD set. I'm not sure if it's on the Blu-ray set, but check it out. It's a hilarious scene where you he actually drinks real alcohol. So, um, so yeah, this scene is is good because this is the point where George McFly um, gets his confidence because um, Marty's supposed to take advantage of her, but instead Biff shows up and uh, he says, you know, you cost me 300 bucks. I'm going to basically. Yeah. Yeah, beat you up. And at this point, he's the film kind of takes a dark turn. He's basically going to rape Lorraine. And on a PG 80s film, you didn't kind of see that coming. I mean, of course, no. it's it's hinted at, but they don't actually, you know, you see the car shaking when George shows up, and you know what I mean, Biff has obviously been doing stuff to Lorraine this whole time. Um, mm-hmm. but the, you know, and it's just that's where you see that Biff is just like get away. You know, George, you know, and George at this point is like, no, you leave her alone. And that's where we get the famous, you know, um, he's going to break his arm and uh, sees Lorraine is, you know, because Lorraine tries to jump on Biff to get Biff off. And he pushes her down and we get the famous epic music just building and building and building. And he takes his left hand, not his right, because his right is being, you know, behind his back right now, takes his left hand and, and knocks him out classic yes it, it was very classic it was a very very nice part of the film and you know the thing is um while this was going on um you know biff had his guys put him into a into the back of a car which belonged to the band and the the keys were in the truck they were in the trunk and um and you know the uh guy sliced uh, the uh, lead singer sliced his hand the lead singer and guitarist um, slice his hand, getting him out, and he runs to see just in time to see uh, uh, Marty, uh, not Marty, George clock Biff. Yes, and um, but he, but 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 he still sees that he still has that he's still in danger. So 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 he goes to the band and he says, "Hey, hey you got to play," and he says, you got to play for the rest of the dance. He's like, "Well, listen, the dance is over. Our lead singer doesn't have a hand. He can't do anything." And um, and he's like, the dance is over unless you know someone else who could play the guitar, right? Now, and Mar- Mar- Marty's like, okay, <laughs> right. Now, uh, technically speaking, this whole scene is my favorite of Back to the Future, but in reality, it could have been cut because if you could have left off where George takes out Biff, they walk off, 
Now their relationship is built. They're going to fall in love. This was just an like kind of icing on the cake. The whole dance scene where George, you know, you know what I'm saying here. It really, I, just- I, 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 I get it, I get it. But you know, we, we, you know, it, it's like they say in, in in Back to the Future Three. They always got to cut these things so darn close. Yeah, you know? it, it, it's how these movies work, and it just it creates tension. I, I don't think it should have been cut because you know we still had the, the awesome Johnny B. Good number. Yes, out yeah, of this. And, exactly. And I love this scene because, you know, I like I watched this scene and I fell in love with the song um Earth Angel. Earth Angel. I love that song. It's yes. great. It's yeah. a great scene. I don't think it should have been cut. I think it's fine. Right. I'm I'm it's not fine. saying it should have been cut. I'm saying if technically it was cut, it still would have worked. Because you I guess. you would I believe guess. that George and and Lorraine are gonna at this point they're gonna they're gonna have a good life, but this kind of cements sure. the fact of George has officially stood up because after um, I, I mean everybody says they start to respect George because he took out Biff, and that's yeah, kind of where he, the character got Biff. Yeah, he, they wanted him to become class president, and he was just this is when his life starts to take a turn for the better, and it not and and in the alternate timeline it it didn't happen. At all, right? And it, it's funny because well, he later in the scene when uh, when he shows Doc the picture, he says, you know, like like, like my dad laid out Biff in one punch, and it's like I, like he's never stood up to Biff in his life, and Doc's like never, and he's like, yeah, why? And he's like, never mind. <laughs> right, right, yeah, it's it's good. To, now I love the Johnny B. Good scene. It's just too bad that uh, he doesn't. Uh, you know, they don't play the whole entire song, but we'll get into that in a little bit. But now Michael J. Fox, he's a true guitar player. I saw him in Light of Day. Uh, I'm a I'm a huge Michael J. Fox fan. I actually love that movie. It's a, it's one of his very dark drama movies that actually had Joan Jett in it. But in that movie, he sings. And John, I always thought as a kid that was his real voice. But I know that they got someone else to do his voice because if you watch Light of Day and you actually hear him sing in real life, his voice is the way it sounds. It's real graspy, but he always played guitar. So that whole scene is actually him playing it, especially if you watch the special features. You'll see him practicing that over and over and over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, and the funny thing is, is you know, by the time they filmed uh, Back to the Future 2, he like learned all these skills. And like by the time they filmed Back to the Future 2, he'd forgotten all of them. Yeah. Yeah, but a great scene. I mean, he basically a lot of people have the problem of well, he basically a white guy created black music in the in the aspect of you know Chuck Berry did Johnny Be Good. You know, it's you know black. I don't care. It's funny. Yeah. It's funny. It's good, good <laughs> times. You know, and it's 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 not meant to offend anybody. It's just kind of a good funny scene. You know, and it he's like, hey, look, you know, he gets he gets Chuck Berry on the phone, his cousin. You know, it's good times. I mean, it's kind of in the same vein of the um. The, the Ronald Reagan doc scene. You yeah. Know, wasn't meant to be politically correct or anything. It just, you know, the idea of, of an actor becoming a president is just silly. Yeah. It's like, like, and in the fifties, that was just silly. And when Ronald Reagan actually watched, actually watched the movie, um, he, um, he laughed for like five minutes and they had to rewind the movie. Awesome. Awesome. And, uh, it, the, and of course now Johnny B. Good's over and this is kind of the farewell of when he says bye to his parents where, you know, he's like, Marty, you know, I'll never forget uh, everything you taught me, especially the whole if you put your mind to you can accomplish anything. And then Lorraine's like, Marty, that's a great name. Now, another funny thing is they – how do they not recognize when Marty gets older that, wow, you sure look like the Marty that helped us when we were in high school? 
It's probably just a coincidence. Yeah. <laughs> but, it's just a coincidence. Yeah, it, the, the only, uh, my thing was when Marty had helped them out that they didn't name their first child Marty instead of Dave and Linda. But, right. you know, whatever. Yeah, whatever, <laughs> right. And, uh, of course... My favorite scene in this part, my favorite part in this scene is, you know, you know when, you know, when... Uh, if you guys ever have kids, and I love the reaction of George and uh, Lorraine. Yeah, they're, they're like, embarrassed at this point. Yeah, yeah. It's like, if you guys ever have kids, and one of them, when he's eight years old, accidentally set fire to the living room rug. Go, go easy on him. him. Yeah. I mean, I mean, how, how, I mean, how many of us in that situation wouldn't have loved to do that? To visit our parents from when they were younger, see them meet and fall in love. He's like, listen, if you guys ever have kids, and, um, and this kid starts to read comic books. Don't um, throw them away. Don't throw them away, please. Thanks. Yeah. Because that happened to me when I was a kid. Good time. Hey, my mom and dad threw my uh, comic That sucks. <laughs> but yeah. uh, we get to the to the epic ending that everybody knows. And, I mean, basically wrapping it up, we get this great, you know, dramatic. It's pretty know, physical for these actors. Yeah, exactly. And it's basically, um, you know, a race to the clock. There's only three minutes left till Marty can get in the right spot. And the the cool thing is, is that if uh, when, you know, Doc's like, if my calculations are per, you know exact, you'll go to this spot. You'll take off. If the DeLorean never died, because um, because that's what it did when he tried to, he was about ready to go. And I love the line where he's like, engine running, flux capacity, fluxing, yeah. And then the car dies, and he sits there. The alarm goes off. He sits there for about another good thirty seconds. If he would have went exactly when that alarm went off, he would have missed the lightning bolt. So exactly. I, I thought and also that was- also one thing that you know you were kind of glossing over is you know you know like dog selling. You know if you do this, if you do this, everything will be fine. And um. And and then he reaches into his pocket and he grabs the letter. Right. Like, What's the meaning of this? You'll find out in thirty years. He's like, it's about the future, isn't it? And I love this scene because they're like, it's like you gotta do it, Doc. You gotta read it. Your life depends on it. I refuse. And he rips up the yep. letter. And he rips up the letter. And I didn't notice this my first few times watching it. it took me a while to catch this. He, he stuffs the, the letter yep. into his pocket. Yep. And um, yeah. And, and and then and, and then you know the like the thing comes unplugged and you know they have to fix it and the the lightning bolt hits the hits the DeLorean sending Marty back to 1985 uh, ten minutes before he originally um, um, did and um, crashes into a porno place crashes into the porno place now um, there is kind of a, a stipulation you know there's the the mayor Red Thomas in the 50s you know right. And, um, you know, Mayor Red Thomas, uh, Progress is his middle name. Um, a lot of people have, fans over the years have speculated that Red Thomas is the bum Red from the first and second movie, you know, that Marty keeps running into. Oh, yeah. And, um, it's, it's not. It's just, okay. you know, he, um, he, um, he, he, he just, he just ad-libs a line that, 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 that came to his mind and just crazy drunk drivers. Love and it. he's on a California raised and, you know, bench. And then yep. he sees the Libyans starting to head there and then he runs and sees like what happened. You know, he see, he basically reenacts yes. the entire, the entire scene that, you know, caused him to be in this situation. And then he sees doc and he's like, I was too late. I didn't get a chance to, to warn him. And um, then Doc wakes up. He's like, "What the heck's going on?" <laughs> and he's like, "You're alive!" Like, how? 
and he like unzips his uh, lab coat and he's like bulletproof vest, baby. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and he's like, I never got a chance to to tell you. And, and, and he pulls out the um the, the the letter and it's taped up and everything. He says, What about all that talk about uh disrupting future events and time space continuum and crap like that? And then Doc <laughs> just says, Well, I figured. What the hell? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Love it. And uh, we kind of get to the to the joke of the film because um, we kind of get to the ending where um, everything is changed. You know, he wakes up and he's just like, wow. And, 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 and Doc's going 30 years into the future instead of, um, tw- instead of 25. Right, exactly. And uh, everything's changed. His whole family's changed. His brother no longer works at Burger King. He works in an office. He, that, even though they live in the same crappy house, it's still nice furniture. And then mom and dad it, it, walk It's the in. same location, but because of, of Marty's adventure in the 50s, everything has changed. Yes. Everything has changed. George is more confident. Um, um, Lorraine is a much more attractive mom. Um. <laughs> yes, and if you notice um, um, the book, because um, George wrote his first book, the front cover is the Marty dressed up in, in plutonium in a radiation suit. Yep. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Um, I, I, I did, I did notice that. Um, and you know, George is no longer works at a Burger King. He's got like probably he's got an IT an office job. Um, uh, Linda is a floozy. Uh, yes. <laughs> where you know before she couldn't even get a date. And you know M- Marty, we don't we don't really know about about how Marty is. You know he's probably a lot more confident with his relationship with Jennifer. Um, Lorraine loves Jennifer now. They probably he probably brought he brought her home a couple of times. Yeah, exactly. Now, she you know, she but, says but, I love that. You know I really love that girl. She's great. yeah. Where before you know he like she, she Lorraine probably saw Jennifer like off and on. But you know I I like to think that this Marty kind of brought Jennifer home because you know he's probably more confident. He's probably he's probably like like re- like refused a couple of offers for music and stuff. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Um. We really don't know how Marty is in this timeline, and I really because this is the Marty we've been following this whole movie. We don't really get to see what that Marty was like. A couple of lines here and there. Right. And uh, so and then Biff now works for George. Which why would you hire your wife's? That's what I'm thinking. (laughs) You know, your. But I mean, I guess it's it's supposed to be the ultimate payback. But, you know, if if you're watching for the first time, you don't put that stuff together. But after multiple times, you just kind of like, dude, seriously, you're going to hire your wife's like, you know, rapist to be. That's that's probably why he hired him, because um, to keep an eye on him. Right. Exactly. And, I mean, it makes sense. Actually. Yeah, it, it does. And uh, so Marty's finally, you know, he gets his Toyota truck. He always wanted to see Jennifer. And she's like, you act like you haven't seen me in a week. He goes, I haven't. So then we get the running joke, which they, when they made this movie, they did not have an intention to make a sequel. No, they so, had no plan to make a sequel. This wasn't like a Lord of the Rings or um, right. or a Star Wars or anything like that where they like, oh, yeah, we're going to make like two or three more movies. It's going to be this really great overarching story. No, they like – well, if I may, we have this scene where you know Doc crashes the DeLorean into you know a um trash can. A, in trash can, and uh, and we've got like like Doc coming out in these futuristic clothes. He's got this weird shirt, this 
like big coat, this see-through tie, and he's like, "Marty, you gotta come back with me, back to the future." And he's loading uh, like Mister Fusion, which is made out of a Krebs coffee maker. Right, good time. And um, he he's loading it up, and he's like, "Like, quick, get in the car." He's like, "No, I just got here. Jennifer's here. We're gonna take the new truck for a spin." He's like, "Great, bring her along." His his current are too. It's like, what are we talking about? What happens to us in the future? You become like jerks or something? Yeah, well, he says a-holes, but the, he's like, what do we become, a-holes or something? And the doc immediately says, no, 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 Marty, it's about your kids. Versus in the next movie, which we'll get into, they re- he thinks about it. He actually – I love that, by the way. I, I love that. that. I, love I love the touch that Christopher – it took me a few uh, rewatches to uh, pick that up. But I love the uh, reaction of Christopher Lloyd where he's like, uh. Yeah, <laughs> let me think about that. And yeah. so Jennifer goes in the car, which if they if they knew they were making a sequel, they would have just said bye, Jennifer. But because Jennifer was in the car and they made part two, that's why um, they had a real problem with her character in part two, which we'll get into next week Empty. when we get into the movie. So, but And, of course, the ending doesn't end with To Be Continued, which was later put on uh, VHS because in the theater it just – They did later put it on VHS. VHS, but then when they re-released it for DVD in 2002, they took out the 2B yep, continued. Exactly. Yeah, they made and, it the original, just the way. It yeah, was. and and the, and that has stayed on the Blu-ray. Yep. So, sir, uh, on a scale of one, uh, you know, five stars here, uh, what would you rate this movie? I give this movie a five stars because you know it is a flawless movie. It's perfectly written. It's the acting just works. I mean, there's you love these characters, every single one of them, and and that's I I think the testament of a good movie yes. and or trilogy. If you love not only the um, the main characters, but if you love the side characters as well, yeah. And I think everyone really brought their A game. You really felt like that. You really could tell that they were having fun with this movie. And I mean, if the, if this movie didn't and there was so much you know trial and tribulation with this movie then the fact that it got made was just awesome and i i give this five you know every, everything works from this movie yeah i agree i i would give it the same like i said there's not a lot of movies i give five stars to um but this is definitely one of them uh it is i mean it, the good thing is is you can watch it with your kids relive your your childhood and uh yeah it, it stands the test of time it's and the movie is tech with all the nitpicks that we have is only because we've seen it like tons and tons and tons of time oh yeah because you know, this movie is like over over all 26 years old yeah i mean and, and the funny thing is the blu-ray came out october 26 2010 nice. which is which is when um doc would have landed in um in in the future had he decided to go to 2010 instead of 2015 good deal good deal i love i love that so i would say that uh, that's pretty much our wrap for um, our first Back to the Future movie, which we're going to get into part two next week. Um, now, for the music spotlight this week, um, normally, you know, I just play like, you know, like an artist here or there, but I thought it, me and Tim thought it would be a good idea to uh, pick the song of, you know, Power of Love is the theme song of the movie, which, you know, I played earlier in the intro. But uh, Johnny Be Good uh, is my favorite song from this movie, and you never got to hear the whole entire song. Uh, but on the soundtrack, you do hear the whole entire song. So that's going to be our, our music spotlight this week. But uh, is there anything that you uh, want to say? Because we don't have any emails this week. So is there anything you wanted to say before we sign off on the music spotlight, sir? Um, I just want to say on the mu- music spotlight, um, I think it's funny that uh, that this is actually said to be sung by Martin McFly and the Starlighters, which the band is Marvin Berry and the Starlighters, but right. they put Marty's name in there. It's not Michael J. Fox singing. It's some other dude. Right, exactly. But he sounds really, 
really, really close. Yeah, I, 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 I could believe if um, if Michael J. Fox uh, would be singing, he'd sound like this guy. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. So um, I will definitely um, definitely call this, uh, this a wrap. And uh, I just want to thank you guys for tuning in. Hopefully you guys are going to dig the new uh, Sweep Delay podcast. Like I said, me and Tim – we have uh, we have tons, uh, tons of. I've plans. got a laundry list of movies that we're going to cover. I mean, as soon as 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 Mike here asked me to be on the show, I was like, I want to do this, I want to do that, I want to do this, and I keep thinking, I keep thinking of new movies I want to do on this podcast every every day. And I think, as far as movies are concerned, we are going to try and stay within the uh, the era of the '80s and the '90s. Yeah. Because those those are just classic movies. We're gonna probably that's probably where we're gonna stay because I think it just works. Um, so I, I think you know we'll be covering Back to the Future. You know, send in your emails to sweep the lake podcast at yahoo.com. Um, and just you know let us know what movies you want to talk about. We're we're willing to step out of the eighties and nineties, but you know. Uh, past there, there's not a lot of good movies that came out. But I mean, when we do our superhero extravaganza, uh, we will be we'll stepping be out of that. Those. Yeah, so it, it's going to be good times. Yeah, which, which I say those superhero movies are the are the few and far between of everything past the 80s and 90s. Yeah, yeah. so it, it's going to be good times. So I am excited, sir, that uh, you are officially the co-host. And, uh, and we do have listeners out in Germany and everything else now. So uh, hopefully everybody will be in for a pleasant surprise. Uh, I know this episode went kind of long. I, and I know I said that they were going to be shorter. But, you know, our first episode, you know, we got to we gotta get rolling. We're going to have tons and tons of fun on this. And uh, Yeah, and, and, and besides, it's back to the future. It deserves all the time they can get. Exactly. You know, because this is, this is just such a this movie is such a, a movie that is near and dear to my heart. I mean, every time this Every time I watched this movie, every time this movie came out, I had to buy it. When when the uh, 2002 DVDs, I, I bought them at Target. Um, when the, when they came out, I bought them at Target. I got a nice little uh, Back to the Future DeLorean keychain, which I lost over time. Which sad to me because you know because because I moved out for two years to serve a church mission for my church, and um, and my and my dad used my backpack a lot and he lost the keychain, which you know kind of. Kind of sad me. Yeah. Um. But then, but then when they re-released the movies in um, two thousand eight, I want to think. No, two thousand nine, I think. Two thousand nine, when they re-released them on DVD separately and separate, where you buy Back to the Future, Back to the Future Two, and Back to the Future Three, where you know it's basically a, a reissue. Um, for people who didn't want to buy the whole trilogy, which you know I don't know why you wouldn't. Right. Um. And um. And I and I bought and I knew that when the Blu-rays came out, this is one I definitely wanted to have, and it's sitting proudly on my shelf. I have the Blu-ray digital copies, um, and and I got it from a friend for Christmas, and uh, and it was it's just something that I I always love to watch, and it it looks gr- and I'm just gonna give a little small Blu-ray review here. I think that Back to the Future trans transfers very well to Blu-ray. One example of this. Is actually the opening scene uh, with the with with the amp. Um, they like it really really sounds good because I, I keep watching this movie when I get home from work at like eleven o'clock and my wife is sleeping and I'm and I've just eaten dinner right. so I'm trying not to wake her and um, and 
and I think I have the the volume just right, and then I hear the, <laughs> mm, and I'm like, oh shoot, and then it goes, Bring! I'm like, oh crap. <laughs> yeah, Blu-ray is Blu-ray is super super loud, but uh, I mean, we're definitely, I mean, we we're we're picking apart these movies, but you know, all the future movies we do, we're not nearly going to spend as much time as we did on this. No, but no, but no, for no, this no. series though, you really have to get into a lot of detail because it's so. You know, exactly. You like, really like there's so many in-jokes and so many little things that they set up here that they pay off later. And it's just really, really well written. Like you said, screenplay 101 with, with this script. And um, I've always wanted to get a hand, hand on this script because I love, I love these movies so much. And the only movie that I, movie series that I can foresee us picking apart as much as we have these, and at least for, for far as me, is, is the Superman films. Superman and Batman, hands yeah, down. and and I think once we get once we get past Back to the Future and Superman and Batman, I think we can we can um. Man, have dude, you lot... got some loud people back there, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're 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 making they're making some noise. It, it's out in the country. What do you want? Yeah, what are you gonna? <laughs> hey, I got kids, so I'm gonna be having some kids interrupting me sometimes. But I ain't gonna be editing that stuff out. This this is as real as it gets, people. So uh, that's right, that's right. That's my uh, that's my brother-in-law driving his um uh, his his motorcycle outside. Awesome. Yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, but yeah, but once it is, once we get past um Back to the Future, Superman. Batman, like I promise you that you know, after we do Superman and Bat, after between Superman and Batman, we're going to be doing a special TV show segment. Yes. Um, it's that's not being human, but we won't say what. All we can say it is from the nineties. Yes. Um, and is a show that is near and dear to my heart. And um, watched the series finale this past weekend. Awesome. Um, and and also our music segment's not nearly going to be as long, even though we're covering several albums from this artist. Right. Um, It'll probably be nearly... like, yeah, 40 minutes or so. Not, not yeah, that yeah, if not including the news. Right, exactly. So we'll see how that goes. And but, so yeah. this is uh, Tim from Sweep the Leg Podcast signing off here, sir. And this is uh, Mike McMissunis, uh signing off. And uh, you guys take care. Uh, and I will now play the Spotlight song for you, Johnny Be Good, and we will see you next week. Drive safely.